the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert, Dr. Tracy Snipe. Dr. Snipe is a professor in the School of Public and International Affairs at Wright State University, where he teaches politics and film, Black women in politics, French politics, and has co-led several civil rights pilgrimages. Along with survivor Sarah Collins Rudolph, sister of Addie Mae Collins, he is the co-author of the book, The Fifth Little Girl, sole survivor of the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. He is now writing Saving the Best Wine for Last, Remembrances of the 16th Street Church Bombing with survivor Junie Collins Williams. Let's hear what he has to say about the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. Hi, Dr. Snipe. Thank you so much for coming uh, on the show. Hello, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I I was wondering if we could start off um, by having you tell us a little bit about your experience working on your book with survivor Sarah Collins, Rudolph. Um, How did you and Sarah uh, come together to collaborate? Okay. Well, I first met Sarah physically in March of 2004. The prior summer, um, I went to the 40th anniversary celebration or commemoration of the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. I'm a dancer by by training, and I had went to Birmingham with the idea of learning more of the backstory about the bombing to possibly um, choreograph a dance, Mm. um, celebrating or acknowledging uh, the tragedy. And during that period, I met Sarah's sister, Junie Collins, P.V. Williams, and several other uh, prominent members of the church. And one thing led to another. We had a fantastic meeting. I also met, met uh, Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth at the time, too. Oh. And so I invited uh, Junie, Sarah, and a number of other um, people to, uh, to my school, Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio, to give a presentation the following spring. So one thing led to another. Sarah and I hit it off almost immediately. Um, and instead of choreographing a dance, I was writing a book. <laughs> so that's that's how that happened. I, 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 it was not my intention to write the story, but she expressed an interest in having me um, perform that service for her. So I was more than I was thrilled and surprised and just astonished um, yeah. because she has a powerful story to tell. Absolutely. What an honor. Of, yes. In the process of doing that, I got to know her sisters. I got to know some of the other uh, 
uh, siblings of the victims who were impacted, like Shirley Wesley King, who was the adopted sister of um, Cynthia, um, um, Cynthia Wesley, who was one of the young ladies, Cynthia Morris Wesley, who was also one of the four victims that who were killed. And I also met, um, I met um, Lisa McNair's father, Chris McNair. Uh, I basically met relatives of all of the four uh, families wow. during that meeting, uh, during that period. Now, could, could you set the stage for us? Um, what was the, the 16th Street Baptist Church like? Uh, how big of a pillar was it in the Birmingham community in uh, 1963? It was huge. Uh, the churches were central meeting places for the uh, civil rights movement. And certainly Birmingham was critical during that period, the Children's Crusade. And the 16th Street Baptist Church was the central meeting place for a lot of the meetings. And I believe that's one of, that's one of the reasons why it was targeted, right? Mm-hmm. There were a number of other churches uh, in Birmingham, including the one pastored by uh, Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth. But certainly the 16th Street was one of the more prominent fixtures uh, in a sign of Black progress, uh, Black uh, Blackness, period, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in targeting the church, they were basically targeting the community. The, the church represented, represented and, the community. And what was the atmosphere like at that time in Birmingham in 1963? How dangerous was it, especially for Black people living there? Well, it was rather tense because, as you may know, uh, before the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church, 16th Street Baptist Church uh, there were like well over, there were dozens of bombings that were occurring in places. Some neighborhoods were bombed so much that uh, one neighborhood was called Dynamite Hill because wow. of the number of bombings that occurred. Um, Fre- Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth, his church was actually bombed on Christmas morning Ugh. in 1956, which would have been almost um, what, a decade prior to the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. And so I just, to me, people were just uh, flirting with danger. Right. And although the bombers claimed that they didn't know that people were going to be in the church at that time, I, I don't know that I buy that story entirely. Right. Um, Absolutely. They were, flo- they were flirting with damage. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was Sunday. Mm-hmm. Was was the church ever targeted before the bombing? And if so, why? Well, I, I guess we, we understand why. But uh, mm-hmm. were there ever was there ever any protection that was offered to the church by local authorities? I don't know if, not, so, not necessarily by local authorities, but members of the church did stand guard. And the church had had bomb threats. It had mm. had threats. And in fact, several minutes before the bombing, one of the young, a young parishioner picked up the phone and the call was said three minutes, which is another reason why I don't think that this was, this happened because, and they, that did happen that particular day, but there had been threats before. And so, uh, I would say members of the community, members of the church actually formed posses, but you wouldn't think to have a posse on a Sunday morning, per se. I don't know if posse would be the, the best word to describe what they had, but they, they certainly had some a brigade that protected the church, right? Mm-hmm. And there had been threats in the past. And indeed, I believe that there was a threat. I think that Carolyn McKinstry, I believe, if not certain, was the person who uh, took that call because she was one of the persons whom I invited to Wright State University to in the spring of 2004. So I learned quite a bit of this backstory from yeah. Carolyn Kinstry as well, too, who's written a book about the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. Now, can you give us a little backstory on Sarah and her sister, Addie? Uh, I'm saying that correctly, right? Addie? Yeah, yeah. Addie um, May. Addie, Addie May. And, um, and 
yeah, where did they grow up and, and what was their life like? Well, they grew up obviously in Birmingham, Alabama. They lived about, I think, 16 to 20 blocks away from the church. So along with their sisters, Junie and, and um, who was the other sister? Junie, Junie, Addie, Sarah, Janie, they oftentimes would go to church. Uh, Janie oftentimes took the bus to church because she, she was the pianist. Uh, mm. She was the oldest of the younger set of Collins children. Uh, Sarah had an extremely close relationship with Addie, who was like her best friend, as did her sister, um, Janie. And Junie had a more tumultuous relationship with Addie, to say the least. And I explore aspects of that sibling rivalry, right? That's a, an aspect of life. And certainly mm-hmm. there, that existed between those two sisters. And so, in my opinion, that actually humanizes that story a little bit more. Right. And so um, we're definitely going to be bringing up that component. Sarah idolized her sister and and in the best way. For example, she wanted to wear glasses because Addie wore glasses. Um, Addie was a couple of years uh, older than her. So, of course, when this happened, Sarah was left devastated, as were her other siblings and her parents. And not to mention the other families who lost their their precious Mm -hmm. children as well, too. So it's September 15, 1963. Was it like any other Sunday at the congregation? Yes and no. Um, That was supposed to be the inaugural youth day in the church. So the youth were supposed to set up the service. They were supposed to sing in the choir, uh, collect the monies, just basically lead lead the worship service. So it was special from that standpoint, because I believe that this was the inaugural youth day. Um, it was different in the sense that some of the sisters, in particular Janie, talks about how when she walked in that church from the moment she walked in, the church felt different. She felt a spirit, for lack of a better word. I don't know if spirit is the right word, but she just felt somewhat ill at ease when she walked in the church from that moment. A dark, she speaks of the darkness from within. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure after that day was cloudy. Sometimes I check the temperature just to kind of get an idea. I think it was a relatively warm day because Sarah and her sisters, they talk about freshening themselves up prior to the service. Um, but I don't think anyone knew that anything like that would happen that day. Now, Sarah's mother, Alice Collins, had had a premonition that she was going to lose one of her daughters. I think I mentioned that in the book, The Fifth Little Girl. Oh. Um, and so, but of, of course she may not necessarily have had that thought that day because she stayed at home because had she known that she, I'm sure would not have allowed any of her children to go to church. And speaking of which, there were five Collins daughters who were in church on that, that day, the four younger girls. And then there was an older sister whose name is Addie as well, too. She was oh. at church and several of them were actually in the basement minutes within minutes of the bombing um the sister who i'm writing the book on currently Junie collins she was actually in the basement and reading her bible school lessons but one of the church elders had had scolded her basically for not being in class so for that reason she left class i'd say left the basement maybe 10 15 minutes before the other younger children arrived otherwise she may have been there along with the other um children and there was another sister who was in the basement too Janie so there were within a period of 15 to 20 minutes at least four of the Collins daughters were actually in that basement now can you walk us through Sarah's experience and and those who you might have spoken to who were in the basement um, during during and after the blast what what were some of the survivor accounts well Sarah sat in the basement 
along with her sister, Addie, just having time to themselves because actually their sister, Janie, had said to them, you know, now make sure you all go off, go on up to your class in Sunday school. But as you may know from reading the book or just uh, from your general readings, the Collins were one of the less privileged families, to say the least, that attended the church. So sometimes they were teased by the other kids. So on that particular Sunday, they knew that class was just about to end. So they just thought they would just kind of wait it out. So mm-hmm. they sat in the basement and then eventually the two of the other young ladies, um, I should say three, the three other young ladies, uh, uh, Denise McNair, Carol Robertson, and Cynthia Morris Wesley arrived within minutes of the bombing. And they obviously said their greetings. And um, I think at one point, according to Sarah's recollection, um, she went to wash her hands on the other side of the room. She was not standing next to the three little, to the four little girls who died. And mm. her sister, her sister Addie Mae was reaching out to tie the sash behind Denise's death. Uh, I'm sorry, behind her dress. And when she stretched out her arms to tie the sash, that's when the bomb went off. Uh, and so everything obviously descended into chaos. Ironically, Sarah never she never touched the ground. I mean, somehow through the grace of God, she, she, she stood the whole time. She knew something had happened. She just didn't know just how horrific that was. And then I think within minutes of the bombing, she heard someone outside saying, somebody just bombed the 16th Street Baptist Church. So of course she's in shock and she's bleeding and everything is chaotic. So I guess she had some sense of what had happened, but I can only imagine what, what she must have went through in that moment of terror. Because these people were terrorized. Let's not, let's not, um, absolutely, let's not negate that fact. All those bombings that had occurred in Birmingham for the decades and the period prior to the bomb, it was bomb. Birmingham was referred to as bombing him because of the vast numbers of bombings that were occurring during the 50s and 60s, especially. Now, Immediately following the explosion, what was the response from uh, those who were in the building? And and how did local officials respond to the bombing? Ironically, they were there within minutes of the bombing. Oh, wow. Which made some people rather suspect. I mean, how did they get there so quickly, right? Uh, I mean, like within minutes. And in fact, one of the, uh, some of the footage showed one of the men who was accused of the bombing. Um, Robert Chambliss, I think it's Spike Lee's, I believe it was in Spike Lee's film, um, it, it was stated that, that he, like a fire, like a fireboat, came back to kind of watch the, the destruction. At the time, no one wow. knew who had, who had committed these atrocities. Of course, the church members tried to, uh, and the deacons, the minister tr- tried to basically form an, an impromptu search and rescue team. But now they were at considerable risk, too, because oftentimes one bombing would be followed by yet another bombing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so they searched for victims and our survivors, placing their lives at considerable risks, because that's what that's how the bombings oftentimes occurred. They sometimes it wasn't just one bombing, it was multiple bombings within minutes. Um, obviously, the panic, the church was in just in an uproar. I think there was one parent who was there, Denise, Mc, Denise McNair's mother, Maxine McNair, was there and repeatedly she she cried out, oh, my baby, my baby, or when the bombing, when oh. the bomb went off. 
she was the only parent who was literally in church that day. Wow. Now, how did Sarah and and her family, I I guess, try as much as they could to pick up the pieces after this terrible tragedy? How how did Sarah's life change? Um, What was it like? Well, it obviously was a struggle. Uh, Sarah's mother and father uh, are just such valiant people, especially her her mother. Um, But she she told it to Sarah straight away, right? When Sarah was still in the recovery room in the hospital, she told Sarah that the church had been bombed and that the full of the girls, including her sister, had had died, were, were killed, had gotten killed. And in fact, when Sarah was in the hospital, I don't know if, either it was prior to or before her operating operations, she overheard her sister, Janie, telling one of the, one of the nurses that her sister Addie had died, but Janie had told um, Sarah that Addie only hurt her back because obviously she didn't want to cause her sister any further distress. Mm. But Sarah had accidentally overheard Janie. So she hid that within herself, right? And once her mom told her at some point, she had to let go of all that pain and all the anguish. And then... um, it was just a horrific period for her. I mean, I my head, my head, my I, I have nothing but praise and respect for Sarah in terms of the way she handled that as a child, the way she's handling as a woman who's now coming into her own as a national speaker, recognized as the civil rights parent that she is, mm-hmm. and still fighting uh, for the restitution that she rightfully deserves as a result of the tragedy. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, those responsible for the bombing were not held accountable immediately. Um, I mean, one of them even died before he could even be prosecuted. Right. What, mm-hmm. why, why did it take so long for them to be held accountable? Well, three letters, FBI, mm-hmm. <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> um, some of the perpetrators, like Chambliss, I believe, was arrested within days. Uh, I think he was even tried for uh, possession of dynamite. I forgot what the sentencing was. Um, so repeatedly, they had enough evidence, but uh, J. Edgar Hoover didn't, did not think that a jury would actually convict the gentleman who they knew or thought to be responsible. So in 1965, they basically ended the case, but obviously um, some people felt very strongly convicted about what had, what had occurred. And eventually justice um, did come. Granted, it was uh, delayed by decades. So should we even call that justice, right? Right. Uh, but at either rate, Robert Chambers uh, was tried in 1977. And the other two trials occurred uh, shortly after the release of Four Little Girls. People often don't say that the movie caused that, but I don't think it's accidental that I think the day after the Four Little Girls was released, the Two other gentlemen, uh, Thomas Blanton and Bobby Frank Cherry, were um, were uh, accused. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, were arrested, and their trials would take place in successive years. I believe that Blanton um, was tried and convicted in 2001. Cherry in 2002. Cherry was feigning mental illness at the time, so he had to be declared competent to stand trial. Oh. But this would have been almost 40 years after the bombing. Yeah. Right? The last trial occurred 
in 2002, which would have been, yeah, 39 years going, you know, going to the 40th year. Yeah. What, what kind of change came about after this attack? Well, some have argued that shortly after the bombing, major civil rights legislation did come to pass. Um, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which led to desegregation, many people point to the bombing of the 60th Street Baptist Church as one of the primary factors leading to that, to that, um, to that change in our laws. Some have also pointed out factors like the Voting Rights Act, which came in 1965. Now, of course, there were other tragedies that were occurring too, like the, the three young men who were killed in Mississippi, um, the Bloody Sunday in Selma, all these all these tragedies and horrific things that were occurring in American history in some ways pushed um, the administrations of President Kennedy and later um, his successor Johnson to enact change. But I should say pushed them to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because um, the groundwork was there, but they certainly were not going in that direction as quickly as some people thought they should be going. Yeah. And some people thought they were going too fast, right? Ugh. Which is uh, one of, because as, as you may know, President Kennedy, who um, obviously issued an official statement after the bombing, uh, condemning those who committed this act and s- s- implying that the government would, would do its best to um, to jail the perpetrators, but also asking for calm. At either rate, President Kennedy then would be assassinated uh, within two months of the bombing. Right. The bombing occurred in September the 15th. Kennedy is assassinated in late November. Yes. And and then, as you may know, three weeks, roughly three weeks prior to the bombing was the march in Washington. The yes. Jobs and so after the height of this great uh, event that showed the, the genius of Dr. King and all the other fit soldiers, men and women, who helped to... Um, usher in this movement after this great and magnificent event, you had um, the death of the four little girls. And Dr. King feared um, that people would blame him for the death of the four little girls because as uh, children, it was a strategy to incorporate children into the movement. Now, mm. none of the other victims participated to the extent that Sarah and her sisters did. Sarah and her sisters literally marched. Um, literally participated in boycotts from the time she was, um, even before she entered grade school. And that makes her different and attitude different from some of the other young ladies who were, um, the young girls who were killed. They actually did, they were actually, Sarah in particular were fit soldiers. because Sarah was the youngest of the children, so her mom, you know, catered to her in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Now, we always ask our guest experts this question. At the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame for the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. Who or what would that be? I would say the germ of hatred. Mm. Racial hatred is, is a germ. It's, 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 it's a virus. <laughs> and it's still far too active today. Yeah. It's far too active today. We 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 have not abated it. Um, we've not we've not really dealt with it uh, in ways that I think lead to true healing. We've not had a racial reconciliation as they had in South Africa, which is not to say that South Africa is all fine and good, but they've at least come to terms with it. 
laws that are passed can be reversed. Uh, you know, look at the State of the Voting Rights Act now in 2023, as opposed to how it looked in 1965. Those laws are less are less rigorous now than they were then. Right. And churches are still being attacked. I'm a yeah. native trust. I'm a native Charlestonian. Um, and as you know, in 2015, uh, Mother Emmanuel suffered a similar fate. It was not bombed, but um, but there was death and destruction as a result of the germ of racial hatred. Yes. We I, haven't even come close to finding a cure correct, for this uh, illness. But we've got to have the honest conversations and the difficult ones, because until we do, just look at how history unfortunately keeps repeating itself in Buffalo, New York. I think the gentleman who killed those uh, grocery shops, those uh, um, um, engaged in just regular activity shopping in a grocery store, he was sentenced, uh, found guilty yeah. several days ago, I believe. Dr. Snipe, thank you so much for coming uh, on the show and, and helping us understand this um, terrible tragedy, which we have to continue to talk and learn about so that we make sure it's never forgotten. Yeah. And speaking of talking and learning about it, I'm still learning about aspects of this tragedy as well, too. And the next book that I'm going to write, or that I'm currently writing, Saving the Best Wine for Last, tells the story of the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church from the perspective of Junie Collins Williams, who would be the oldest sister of Addie. Uh, she unfortunately had the task of identifying Addie's body. Wow. So she also has a very powerful story to tell of redemption and forgiveness that she had to find for her own self. And in order to understand that, you'll have to read the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, learn a little bit more about that story. But, um, and I just, I can't say enough about the women of the movement, especially women like Sarah and Junie, who, despite of everything, not really getting the recognition they rightfully deserve, not getting the financial compensation that they deserve, not getting the medical treatment that they deserve then or even now, somehow they still find the will to to, to love, to, to forgive, and to move on. But they're still seeking um, what they should have gotten as a result of these tragedies, Yeah, along with the other families. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, Atabotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. With us today, we have producer Alex Paul. Hello. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. It was so uh, just great to talk to Dr. Snipe and, and have him give us such a personal account of this terrible tragedy. Um, I, I just found it fascinating talking with him. Yeah, totally. It's always really nice to speak to someone who's um, been able to have a dialogue with the actual victims and which with the family members that actually experienced it. Yeah, it was incredible. And the just the um, level of detail, like how he said uh, about how Alice, her mother, had a premonition yeah, um, that she was going to lose a daughter, which is so, um, I don't know, I feel like you, you don't get that kind of thing. And, and when we do this level, or when you go back in history and you sort of talk about these things that happened, you don't get that, that certain level of sort of intimate detail. That's true. I, I was also struck by the, I know we've talked about this before, but like the sliding doors element of like one of the sisters just happened to leave the basement 10 minutes or prior or all of those. Um, right. Just decisions you make and you're not thinking about, you know, uh, how they can put you in just a wrong place at the wrong time. You know, yeah. it's also happenstance. Um, mm -hmm. It also made me think for the first time when he was speaking on um, how children were part of the children's crusade and how this particular Sunday was a youth special meeting and how maybe that the date was also like specifically targeted because it yeah. would be children, which is even just horrible, more horrific. Yeah, yeah just horrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a, I don't, a good point. Maybe I just, yeah, I feel like it couldn't have been a coincidence that they picked that day. And how terrifying he was saying that um, the, Alice, the mom, wasn't at church that day. Like how horrific mm. would that be as as a parent to, you know, you're 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 I'm putting them, myself in, in in their shoes where it's like, you know, you're sending them off to a safe place, a, a school, right. you know, Sunday school. Um, and you, you just assume that they're going to be OK. And then and to get that call that something so terrible has happened. I mean, I can't imagine mm -hmm. the trauma and the um, just what what she must have gone through. No. So I saw. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just saw, I saw you guys were taking some notes while I was speaking to Dr. Snipe. And he said that 
he would send the germ of hatred to the alarmist John. I just loved the way he put that. Per, are we to consider what Alex remind us? What did we end up sending to the alarmist jail and what we ended up slapping? Yeah. So this was an episode that Clayton was on and it looks like you guys sent uh, you, the big slap went to local law enforcement leadership mm-hmm. and then the men who carried out the bombing, Robert Chambliss, Thomas Blayton Jr., Bobby Cherry, and Herman Cash were sent to jail. Well, this feels right. like I... what uh, here's what I'm thinking and tell me what you guys think. Yeah, go ahead. I, I feel like this is one where we keep the bombers in the jail. And we also mm-hmm. perhaps send this germ, like uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Snipe called it, to uh, the jail. I mean, I, I I love to think of just a germ in the alarmist jail. Yeah. We need a vaccine for the germ. Yeah. Is there a way to... Can we, can we <laughs> start working on that stat? <laughs> I'm sure everyone we will need... want to take the vaccine. <laughs> yes. We need the... That's a great point. We need to... What we should probably do is take a sample, bring it, and open up a laboratory. Yes. Okay. And we have, we may have some scientists in jail. We might also have to recruit some, and um, we might have to start a Patreon because we might have to start um, employing <laughs> some scientists to work on this for us. But maybe, yeah, we can set a part of either the kitchen in the uh, commissary or some place to start a lab. We need a lab to get this. To, to start to study this virus. What do you think? Agreed. Yeah, I think it was a, such a powerful um, way of phrasing it, the germ of yes. hatred. I mean, he's clearly like such an intelligent uh, professor and expert and also clearly very like creative and artistic. Like the fact that he approached this, his way into this um, interest was like through dancing, I found really like so cool. lovely and like organic <sighs> yeah. and clearly just like, is it like a bright light who is able to very easily like connect with um, the survivors? Completely. Also, I just, I have to go back to him also saying like JFK being assassinated Mm. two months later. I mean, we do a lot of, I feel like it, the sixties come up a lot and what an insane decade. Like I try to remind myself like, you know, 2020 and on has been pretty wild, but I think the sixties was crazier. <laughs> yeah, a, a, pre- a president was assassinated. People, yes. mo- so many people were assassinated. Yeah, assassinated. Yeah, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated months after. Right? Was it yeah. a year or or a few months? But- it was within that year. I want to say. I would love to see like a chart or like a graph of something that of all of the tragedies we've studied so far, where they a lot like that's a great time period they come in because I bet you this would be such a hot spot. I just feel like we keep coming to this era. To your point, Alex, that would be such a you want a visual, yeah. I want it, yeah, a timeline, yeah, yeah, timeline. (laughs) The artist needs his visual. (laughs) (laughs) Hearing it is not enough. I'll I'll get on that. You're right. I'm going to do a really cool graph. You to do that. I'm saying if you can. Who do you think is going to have to do that? Who do you, do you think is going to, to be this told to? <laughs> Don't we have alarmy members who can take this off of your plate? Look, no, Alex, we need That's Alex awesome. on it. <laughs> Carve out some time over the weekend and get it done. 
It is true. Maybe. I maybe I should do. There should be some sort of. I'm sure there's some sort of thesis about like the fall of Rome versus the 1960s in America. I want to see. Yeah. I want to see the data. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That'll be a, a good graph to have because then we can start filling in the um the blanks. It's like oh yeah, we need more. We need more 700s, stuff from the 700s. Well, I did a while back did do like a comprehensive chart of like all that stuff. And we really are lacking in prehistoric mm. tragedies. <laughs> <laughs> you mean before like record keeping? Like before? Yeah. yeah. You would not writing? believe like my Google searches of like tragedies. Um what what were like Lucy that like little that like half woman half oh, like what are those sure what, I I feel like I'm being incredibly insensitive right now to um the pre-human what what, what were those people called <laughs> Homo <laughs> habilis Homo sapiens Homo, Homo sapiens erectus Neand- there were a bunch of Neanderthals Neanderthals. Neanderthals, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where are we want those? Tra- I want those tragedies. Did well, we do the di- I, did we do the dinosaur? We haven't done that yet. <laughs> we haven't done that yet. That's a big one, Alex. Are you? I can't. Oh. I mean, we're now like in sort of brainstorming session, and I know we got to get back to like the germ. But I, I really feel like I think it's crazy about. that the extinction of the dinosaurs is not that we're not talking. We we don't talk about it as out. much yeah. either. We should yeah. be talking yeah. about that every day. <laughs> imagine mm-hmm. there were dinosaurs here and yeah. they just went away and they're gone that is freaky it, it is. is freaky but anyway okay so back let's get to back to Snipe. it yes back to this i think tragedy. i'm gonna call it and i'm gonna okay. add the germ of hatred to the alarmist jail for not just for to to serve their sentence but also for research purposes well, maybe we can get the sample of the germ, the virus, out of the bodies of the perpetrators. Um, mm. Oh, that's where right, we get it. So right. we call it the germ of hatred that's in the plant. Oh, shambles, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like that. I'm going to call it the germ of hatred that's in the four bombers. You're going to the alarmist jail as well. You're already in there, but. We're going to extract you. And yes. You're gonna get we're going to expose you is what yes. we're going to do. I don't know if yeah. I stand by experimentation on uh, the incarcerated. But we just need you to oh, turn the oh, other way. Oh, I see. I not see. for me to decide. Okay, that's not, Some that's, people just that's don't not have the stomach for what needs to get done in that alarmist jail. And, <laughs> and we're going to get it done behind your back. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much to uh, Dr. Snipe. And stay tuned because next week we're going to be discussing the Jolly and Wallabog Massacre. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.